Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Shall we worship together? Would you stand and sing with us, please? Crowded in worship today as she slips in, trying to fade into the faces. The girls teasing, laughter is carrying farther than they know, farther than they know. We are the body. Why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? And if we are the body, why aren't his feet going? Why is his love not showing them there is a way? There is a way. Traveler is far away from home. He sheds his coat and quietly sinks into the back row. The weight of their judgmental glances tells him that his chances are better out on the road. But if we are the body, Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? And if we are the body, why aren't his feet going? Why is his love not showing them there is a way? Jesus paid much too high a price. For us to pick and choose who should come We are the body of Christ But if we are the body Why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? And if we are the body Why aren't his feet going? Why is his love not showing them there is a way? But if we are the body, why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? And if we are the body, why aren't his feet going? Showing them there is a way. Jesus is the way. Good morning, everybody. Please be seated.
Welcome to worship. We're so glad that you're here. Please continue to make reservations for in-sanctuary seating and encourage those who are not ready to sit inside to join us in our beautiful, if muddy, yard for worship. If you've never taken safe sanctuary training or need to be recertified, you can do it all online. If you ever benefited from someone giving of their time to teach you when you were a child, consider making that gift to the younger generations among us. You can teach them lessons of love that will remain long after you're gone. Our communion offering today is for the Methodist missionary Christian Schlick. We will now welcome the light of Christ. Old Testament scripture reading this morning is from Exodus uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to, to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month. Then all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roasted over the fire, head, legs, and inner parts. Do not leave any of it until morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and will strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. 
This is a day you are to com commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Time to pray. Loving God, you are so good to us. Thank you. We gather in this place today to sing your praises and hear your word. We ask that you send your Holy Spirit to lead us. As we break bread and share the cup, let us remember the life of our Lord Jesus. Bring to our minds the places in our lives that we need to change so that we are more like Jesus. Fill our mouths with the proclamation of your kingdom that all peoples would know of it and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty Praise to the King. Mount 
so good today. Both the uh, gathering song and this song are just perfect for today, but they always are, but they always are. This morning it's Communion Sunday, and on Communion Sunday we're supposed to remember the Lord, remember Jesus when he instituted it. And of course, the best way we can remember him is to act like him. You know, some people say, well, human nature should be changed. I disagree. Human nature is human nature. God made us very good, the scripture tells us, and human nature doesn't need to be changed. We just need to use our natures properly. We have an unlimited ability to do good. Each and every one of us, we have an unlimited ability to do good, but we have to choose to do it. Today's scripture reading is about, among other things, free will. It's about love in action, and it's about liberty, unbinding people setting people free, including ourselves. Jesus said he came that we might have life and that in abundance, right? John 10.10. So bear with me before I read today's reading from Matthew. And I believe if you listen to them, they're completely apropos and in harmony with what I read in Matthew before we receive communion and remember the Lord, which again, the Lord is our Passover. Carl read about 
the Passover, the first Passover there, or the instructions, I should say, for the first Passover out of Exodus chapter 12. The first scripture I want to read this morning comes from the 22nd chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Consider the word of the Lord. You shall not watch your neighbor's ox or sheep straying away and ignore them. You shall take them back to their owner. If the owner does not reside near you, or you do not know who the owner is, you shall bring it to your own house, and it shall remain with you until the owner claims it. Then you shall return it. You shall do the same with a neighbor's donkey. You shall do the same with a neighbor's garment. And you shall do the same with anything else that your neighbor loses and you find. You may not withhold your help. And then I want to flip over and read a few verses from Isaiah chapter 58. Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin. Then your light shall break forth like dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places. And make your bones strong. And you shall be like a water garden, like a spring of water, whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. Wow. That's the potential we all have. Isaiah's talking about it again here. And like we read in uh, in Deuteronomy, you don't have a choice not to do the right thing. You do have a choice, but the Lord tells us that if we're following His will, we don't have a choice. 
Our main scripture text this morning comes from the 18th chapter of the book of Matthew, verses 15 through 20. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who made us very good, God who made all of creation around us, God whose will is that none should perish, none should be bound, but all should be free. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight our strength, and our salvation. Amen. So, we're talking about relationships here. That's what Jesus is talking about. And we're talking about relationships specifically in, this, in, in these few verses in Matthew chapter 18 about relationships with each other in the body of Christ. Now, Jesus isn't talking about trivial things here. Jesus is talking about bona fide evil, which, of course, originates right here, right? It's not like there's some sort of reservoir of evil floating around out there that can be spilled at particular times. Each and every one of us has an unlimited ability for evil as well as an unlimited ability for good. And the evil that we see around us in the world is caused by us. And when I say us in that aspect, I'm talking about humanity in general, all of us. That's where it comes from. That's where it comes from. That's what the, that's what the Scripture teaches us. So we're not talking about trivialities here. We're talking about matters of life and death. We're talking about things that will destroy a church, a family, a community. What a stitch in time saves nine sort of deal is, is, uh, is one way we could look at this. But it's also 
the way to look at it is we all have a responsibility a responsibility to do the right thing. It's not enough just to sit back and not do wrong, so to speak. We are called to actively, we are called to actively spread light and goodness and justice and freedom and truth. That's what we're called to do, each and every one of us, each and every one of us. So, you see somebody in a sin. And we're not, talking about, we're not talking about condemnation. We're not talking about scorn. We're not talking about blame. We're not talking about judgment. We're talking about clear-cut cases of evil. I'll just use a, a wild extreme just to, to, to make the point. Moses is a good example. Carl read about Moses this morning, right? And, and we talked about Moses earlier. Moses killed somebody, right? Somebody saw him do it. He didn't think they saw him do it at the time, but somebody saw him do it. And he ran off into the desert. If you go up to Moses and say, Moses, you should not have murdered that person. You're not being judgmental. You're not being condemning. You're not being scornful. You're not being blaming. Blameful. Well, what's the right word? You're speaking the truth in love. That's what you're doing. And it's not right to kill people. You tell somebody. If you know somebody's having in, in, in a, a friend, a member of the church, is having a illicit sexual relationship you don't have to be condemning you just tell them that's wrong that's wrong and it and the and the advice here is go see them one on one think about that that keeps you from from embarrassing them from making it look like it's condemnation or something else you go talk to them one on one and best case scenario they listen to you, and it says what? You have gained a brother or a sister. You've kept them in community. If they don't listen, do what it says to do in Deuteronomy 19.15, right? Two or more witnesses, which we've, we've talked about a lot. And again, it's, it is such a foundational thing. And one of the reasons that's such a foundational thing is, is again, is because if I were to have a personal vendetta against an individual, I might do evil and lie about them. So you bring along two or three more people, and you say, okay, Lothar, what you did was wrong. You confess up to it, ask God to forgive you, or... We're going to tell the whole group. The whole group here, the whole group here is we have to, we have to re take this in context. The word here that's translated church only gets used two or three times in the book of Matthew. And in those days, the church was a group of people probably no bigger, maybe even smaller than we are this morning gathered here. 
You know, so you're not, you're not talking about putting this, you know, out in the, out to the whole, whole world, but it still is the community. It still is the community. One of my favorite people, Fred Rogers, said, and I've said this to y'all before too, because y'all know, I, I, you know, I believe that we learn by repetition, so I repeat things. It's not, it's not just because I'm forgetful. Most of the time, most of the time, there's a, there, there's a purpose there, you know. And Fred said, if it can be mentioned, it can be managed. See, to me, this is one of the things that's so horrible about our current state of communications. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, I think technology is great and it does some wonderful things. But we have a society now where a lot of people communicate with each other and, and they don't even spell properly or use correct grammar or, or, or anything else. But that's not the point. The point is that is cold and impersonal and non-relational. We were meant to look each other in the eyeballs and talk to each other about serious matters. And one of the reasons I believe our society is split, such as it seems to be these days, is because people don't sit down and look at each other in, in the eyeball and talk to each other. We go off into the ether of the technological world and so-called social media. There, there's an oxymoron, if there ever was one instead of talking out things with each other and sitting down and talking out with them. Well, then it says, you know, if it really gets bad, if this person is totally recalcitrant, totally non-repentant, and just says, tough noogies, I'm going to keep uh, shoplifting at HEB or whatever it is, then you say, you don't belong here because you're not living up to the covenant, the contract, however you want to look at it. it says you should treat them as tax collectors and sinners. Interesting thing, isn't it? That's an interesting thing. And this is what I want us to think about as we come to the table this morning. You see, because I said this was about the proper use, this, this passage, among other things, was about the proper use of free will, active love, Notice, it says if you see somebody that's sinning, you go to them. You take the initiative. Again, we're supposed to reflect God's glory. We're supposed to reflect Jesus. We're supposed to be followers of Jesus. And what did God do? God takes the initiative. God seeks us out. Each and every one of us has a relationship with God because God sought us out. Pure and simple. Pure and simple. And we're to do the same with others. So, if this person's not in your congregation... Now, and, and, and by the way, if any of you think that's harsh, if any of you think that's harsh, how many of you who are parents told your children it's okay to associate with anybody you want? Right? You go out there and we don't, we, you know, we don't care if little Billy's an axe murderer. You go over to his house tonight and maybe he'll teach you how to sharpen axes, right? 
No, no. None of us as parents do that, you know. We tell our children, you know. Uh, we tell our children like things like, if you lie down with the dogs, you'll get up with the fleas, all right, for example, you know, and, 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 and other little ditties like that to try and train our children to associate with good people. And don't get me wrong, I'm not being pejorative against anybody who's not, but we tend to inculcate and live out the values of those that we associate with. And that's one of the reasons that we associate in Christian community, to help teach each other and to help bring each other up in the faith and to help lift each other up when we fall down. And when we fall down, going and talking to somebody about it is lifting them up. It's setting him free. How did Jesus treat tax collectors and sinners? Well, in Luke chapter 5, it says there was a guy named Levi sitting at the collection of taxes. And Jesus went up to him and said, follow me. It says he got up and followed him. We also know him as Matthew, the guy that wrote this book, right? In Mark chapter 7, Jesus heals the daughter of a Syrophoenician woman. There's a case where Jesus heals the servant of a centurion. Because Jesus said what? The people who are well don't need a doctor. Mark chapter 2. The people who are well don't need a doctor. They don't need a physician. I've come to call sinners not the righteous to repentance. So you see, we are to treat the non-repentant people as people we can unbind, as people we can set free if we'll just show them how to live an abundant life. And then there's that other tax collector in Luke chapter 19, good old Zacchaeus, right? And Jesus brings Zacchaeus back. So when it says treat him as a tax collector and sinner, hmm, interesting thought. Interesting thought. How do you treat tax collectors and sinners? You treat them with love and respect, just like you treat everybody else. So as you come to the table this morning, I want you to remember Jesus who taught us the proper use of free will to work toward unlimited good. I want you to remember Jesus who taught us about love in action, love that will go and take care of a neighbor's property if the neighbor's ignorant of it being in jeopardy. And I want you to remember Jesus who taught us about unbounded, unbinding and how we can set people free through the power of forgiveness. Amen. Now go in peace. And as you go, take forgiveness with you to everyone you meet. And do that with the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen.